Well, hi, everybody. It's Adam Curry, and you're about to witness the LifeSpring Podcast. Hitting you between the years with the message of hope. Hello, and welcome to Calvary Temple Assembly of God in Riverside, California. We want to tell you about the one who loves you unconditionally and who gave his life for you, Jesus Christ. Here you'll find music, conversations, and reasons to believe. I'm your host, Steve Webb. What an exciting new medium this is. The phenomenon of podcasting. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and I can't believe it's been an amazing one year for Steve and LifeSpring Radio. Congratulations and happy anniversary! Oh man, that debut episode sounded terrible. for today let's have some fun celebration music thanks to adam curry and leah laporte for showing up today they've got their party hats on don't they look nice i've got more of them over there on the table with the cake and the drinks help yourself though this is season 12 of the lifespring family audio bible today november 13th 2021 marks the 17th anniversary of lifespring media i'll talk after our reading and my comments on the reading about the early days from my perspective anyways I won't take up a lot of time, but I think it's good to review once in a while, don't you? But for now, let's get on with the show. I'll take off my party hat here for a bit, but you can keep yours on if you want to. This is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and I'm coming to you from Riverside, California, podcasting since November 13th, 2004. I am your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. The survey is still open at lifespringmedia.com slash survey, but only until Sunday. I'll be closing it Sunday night, so if you haven't gone over there yet, please do so. I want to have as many LifeSpring family members contributing as possible so that I have as accurate a picture as possible. Please head on over there while you're thinking about it right now. lifespringmedia.com slash survey. Today we're going to read Mark 1 and 2, and I'm calling the episode Action! Let me give you an introduction to Mark before we begin reading. No book has been translated more than Mark's gospel. One reason is that it's the shortest gospel, but perhaps an even bigger reason is that the book was written for the Romans, not people who were familiar with Judaism in the first century. So therefore, it appeals to a larger audience. Now, Mark, also known as John Mark, was not one of the twelve disciples, but it is likely that he was part of the crowds that often followed Jesus. Many scholars believe that Mark was the first written of the four Gospels, though some think that Matthew was the first. But whatever the case, it is quite likely that it was written around 50 AD. Acts 12.12 tells us that the early church met in Mark's mother Mary's house in Jerusalem. The book is full of movement. We see Jesus always in action. We see the words like immediately and at once often in this book. Now, as you might expect from that, What Jesus did is more the subject of Mark's gospel than what he said. Commentator A.T. Robertson said, The gospel of Mark pictures Christ in action. There is a minimum of discourse and a maximum of deed. And speaking of action, Jesus is portrayed here as the servant of God, as one who's going about doing the work of God. So you might be asking, since Mark was not one of the twelve disciples, where did he get the information contained in the book? 
Well, church tradition has it that the Apostle Peter was Mark's main source of information. We know from 1 Peter 5.13 that Mark was with Peter, and Peter called him my son, as an older man might refer to a beloved student. Well, since Peter was one of the twelve, we know that Peter was an eyewitness to Jesus' ministry. Listen again to what A.T. Robertson wrote. He said, Mark's gospel is the fullest gospel of striking details that apparently came from Peter's discourses which Mark heard, such as green grass, 2,000 hogs, or looking round about. And another indication of Peter's input, also from Robertson, is this. Peter usually spoke in Aramaic, and Mark has more Aramaic phrases than the other Gospels, like Boanerges, Talitha Kumai, Korban, Ephatha, and Abba. Well, that's enough introduction. Let's get started. Mark chapter 1 This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The prophet Isaiah wrote, I am sending my messenger ahead of you to prepare the way for you. A voice cries out in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. John the baptizer was in the desert telling people about a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. All Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went to him. As they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. John was dressed in clothes made from camel's hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, The one who comes after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to bend down and untie his sandal straps. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. As Jesus came out of the water, he saw heaven split open and the Spirit coming down to him as a dove. A voice from heaven said, You are my Son, whom I love. I am pleased with you. At once the Spirit brought him into the desert, where he was tempted by Satan for forty days. He was there with the wild animals, and the angels took care of him. After John had been put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee and told people the good news of God. He said, The time has come, and the kingdom of God is near. Change the way you think and act and believe the good news. As he was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. They were throwing a net into the sea because they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come, follow me. I will teach you how to catch people instead of fish. They immediately left their nets and followed him. As Jesus went on a little farther, he saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were in a boat preparing their nets to go fishing. He immediately called them, and they left their father Zebedee and the hired men in the boat and followed Jesus. Then they went to Capernaum. On the next day of worship, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching. Unlike their experts in Moses' teachings, he taught them with authority. At that time, there was a man in the synagogue who was controlled by an evil spirit. He shouted, what do you want with us, Jesus from Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus ordered the spirit, Keep quiet and come out of him. The evil spirit threw the man into convulsions and came out of him with a loud shriek. Everyone was stunned. They said to each other, What is this? This is a new teaching that has authority behind it. He gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. 
The news about him spread quickly throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. After they left the synagogue, they went directly to the house of Simon and Andrew. James and John went with them. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. The first thing they did was to tell Jesus about her. Jesus went to her, took her hand, and helped her get up. The fever went away, and she prepared a meal for them. In the evening, when the sun had set, people brought to him every one who was sick and those possessed by demons. The whole city had gathered at his door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases and forced many demons out of people. However, he would not allow the demons to speak. After all, they knew who he was. In the morning, long before sunrise, Jesus went to a place where he could be alone to pray. Simon and his friends searched for him. When they found him, they told him, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus said to them, Let's go somewhere else to the small towns that are nearby. I have to spread the good news in them also. This is why I have come. So he went to spread the good news in the synagogues all over Galilee, and he forced demons out of people. Then a man with a serious disease came to him. The man fell to his knees and begged Jesus, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus felt sorry for him, reached out, touched him, and said, I'm willing, so be clean. Immediately his skin disease went away, and he was clean. Jesus sent him away at once and warned him, Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, show yourself to the priest. Then offer the sacrifices which Moses commanded as proof to people that you are clean. When the man left, he began to talk freely. He spread his story so widely that Jesus could no longer enter any city openly. Instead, he stayed in places where he could be alone, but people still kept coming to him from everywhere. Mark chapter 2 Several days later, Jesus came back to Capernaum. The report went out that he was home. Many people had gathered. There was no room left, even in front of the door. Jesus was speaking God's word to them. Four men came to him carrying a paralyzed man. Since they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof over the place where Jesus was. Then they lowered the cot on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Some experts in Moses' teachings were sitting there. They thought, Why does he talk this way? He's dishonoring God. Who besides God can forgive sins? At once, Jesus knew inwardly what they were thinking. He asked them, Why do you have these thoughts? Is it easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, pick up your cot, and walk? I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralyzed man, I'm telling you to get up, pick up your cot, and go home. The man got up, immediately picked up his cot, and walked away while everyone watched. Everyone was amazed and praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Jesus went to the seashore again. Large crowds came to him, and he taught them. When Jesus was leaving, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting in a tax office. Jesus said to him, Follow me. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners who were followers of Jesus were eating with him and his disciples. When the experts in Moses' teachings who were Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, 
They asked the disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Those who are sick do. I've come to call sinners, not people who think they have God's approval. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came to Jesus and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples don't? Jesus replied, Can wedding guests fast while the groom is still with them? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, then they will fast. No one patches an old coat with a new piece of cloth that will shrink. Otherwise, the new patch will shrink and rip away some of the old cloth, and the tear will become worse. People don't pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the wine will make the skins burst, and both the wine and the skins will be ruined. Rather, new wine is poured into fresh skins. Once on a day of worship, Jesus was going through the grain fields. As the disciples walked along, they began to pick the heads of grain. The Pharisees asked him, Look, why are your disciples doing something that is not permitted on the day of worship? Jesus asked him, Haven't you ever read what David did when he and his men were in need and were hungry? Haven't you ever read how he went into the house of God when Abiathar was chief priest and ate the bread of the presence? He had no right to eat those loaves. Only the priests have that right. Haven't you ever read how he also gave some of it to his men? Then he added, The day of worship was made for people, not people for the day of worship. For this reason, the Son of Man has authority over the day of worship. Well, beloved, let's look for a moment at chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Here it is again. Four men came to him carrying a paralyzed man. Since they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof over the place where Jesus was. Then they lowered the cot on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Friend, your sins are forgiven. So here's the situation. Jesus has begun his ministry, and he's now known far and wide for the miracles and healing that he's done. And now he's in a home speaking God's word to a crowd. It's so crowded that there's no room in the house, and the friends of this paralyzed man wanted Jesus to heal their friend, but they can't get close to Jesus because of the crowd. So they took him in his cot up to the roof where they made a hole through which they could lower their friend to where Jesus was speaking. And now here's the key phrase. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Did you notice that? When Jesus saw their faith. How many of us say we have faith, and yet we don't do anything to show it? Faith is more than just mentally saying, I believe. It's more than just saying, Amen, when the preacher says something that we agree with. It's more than liking a Facebook post. This man's friends did something that was radical. They so believed that Jesus could heal their friend, which Jesus did do in addition to forgiving his sins, that they somehow got him in his cot to the roof of a house, broke a hole in the roof while an astonished crowd watched, interrupted the great teacher and miracle worker, and presented their friend to him. Well, I'm sure that most of the people there thought that these guys were out of their minds, foolish, crazy, rude, out of line. Call it what you will, but Jesus saw their faith. Faith has legs. Faith takes action. It doesn't just wait around for God to move. Faith says, God will, and I will go where He is. 
When was the last time your faith had legs? Tell me what you think. Comment at lifespringmedia.com slash S12E75 or send me an email at steve at lifespringmedia.com or you can go to comment.lifespringmedia.com. Tomorrow we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Last week I made a mistake and included chapter 5 in the reading. I don't know what got into me, but anyway, so that means tomorrow we just have the one chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Boostagram. I got a couple of boostagrams today. I got a thousand sats sent from the Fountain app from John. He said, thanks for reading my comment about the Puritans. Sadly, the information we learn about them in government school is often skewed and from a perspective that is opposed to any form of Bible-believing Christianity. Also, congrats on seven years. Go podcasting! Go podcasting! And Sir Kevin sent a 1717 sat from Podfriend. He said, Steve, congratulations on 17 years. I've only been listening since the beginning of the season back in September, but I wanted you to know that I really appreciate everything you do. Thank you, and God bless you. Well, John, Kevin, thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. It's good to hear from you, and thank you for the boostograms. You guys are awesome. And speaking about the 17th anniversary, why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about that? Hitting you right between the ears with the message of hope, love, and good news, this is LifeSpring, and I'm Steve Webb, your host. Here at LifeSpring, we want to tell you about the one who loves you unconditionally and who gave his life for you, Jesus Christ. Here you'll find music, conversation, and reasons to believe. Our website is calpem1.org slash podcast dot htm. Hey, Adam. Thanks for this brand new avenue of communication we all call podcasting. Yeah, man. And thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> thanks, everybody. The Lord says, everybody, give me a boing. Oh, man, perfect. I'm telling you, I love religious podcasters, broadcasters of all sorts. I, I get a kick out of it. And sometimes I actually get a real positive boost. You know, I love people who are just positive and up and have got energy. Uh, it works. It really does work. And then, let me just do that again. Everybody, can you give me a Boeing? Hold on. Here we go. Everybody for listening. I'm out of here. Everybody. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That was early on on the Daily Source Code. Well, let me tell you a little bit about how I got into this whole silly thing. Uh, way back in 1979, I went to work for a radio station in San Bernardino, California called KQLH, Q95FM. And it was a uh, radio station that was uh, positioned between two album-oriented rock stations on the FM dial. And uh, we played a, a mix of contemporary Christian music and very familiar uh, rock and roll music that uh, people were listening to at the time. It was very carefully screened. We didn't play anything that was uh, too far out there in terms of lyrics. But what we wanted was to catch people as they were tuning between KMET at 94.7 and KLOS at 95.5. We were at 95.1. So we would, uh, it was actually an outreach. People would hear something that they were familiar with, and then they would get hit with uh, contemporary Christian music. That format lasted for probably, I don't know, a year and a half, two years until uh, somebody bought the station and turned it into just a, a smooth jazz station. And uh, uh, I got out of there at that time. I uh, went to work for a uh, 
a chain of Christian bookstores, one of the largest Christian bookstore chains in the country. I uh, worked there for about six years, and then I started my own business, my windshield repair business, which I still operate today. Um, along the line, I got married to Leanne, and she had been going to this, uh, you heard it uh, at the beginning of the show, Calvary Temple Assembly of God, since she was a little girl. And so um, her family was very, very involved in that church, and when I got married to Leanne, I was very involved in the church as well. Um and one of the things that I began doing, well, I, I taught the adult Sunday school class. I ran the, uh, the Christian education department for a while, but I got bit by the technology bug. And uh, when that happened, um, I just really dove in uh, head first and I began doing all of the, well, the church at the time didn't do PowerPoint. They didn't have any slides or anything uh, during uh, worship service. They didn't have any, any slides uh, during the preaching. And so I began doing all of that. I kind of, I didn't kind of, I pioneered that for the church. I did that for several years and uh, that was my Christian service. And then one day when I was out working, doing my windshield repair business, I was just having a time of worship with God. I, my the windshield repair doesn't take a lot of cycles of the brain. So I can think about a lot of other things while I'm doing that work. And one day I was just worshiping God, thanking him for the blessings in my life. I had a beautiful wife. I had great kids. I had a good business. Um, I was serving at the church and I was enjoying that. And I said, Lord, is there anything else that I can do for you? And I got a message. Uh, it wasn't an audible. I couldn't hear it, but it was, it was almost that strong. But God answered me. He said, proclaim my name. And I said, okay, what do you mean? And he just said, proclaim my name. And so I went home that night and I began to work on the computer trying to do some, something in the way of graphics that I'd been doing for the church, but nothing was really clicking. So I just kind of set it aside. I, it didn't go away. I mean, I, I, I knew that God wanted me to proclaim his name, but I didn't know what that meant yet. So a couple of weeks after this, I was listening to the radio one weekend. I used to listen to a radio program called... Um, the tech guy on KFI it was hosted by Leo Laporte. And I had been a fan of Leo Laporte since uh, oh, Screensavers on uh, Tech TV, I think it was called. And so when uh, Leo started this radio show here uh, in Southern California, and it became you know a, a big nationwide syndicated thing. But this day that I tuned in, he was interviewing some guy about this new technology uh, where it was sort of like radio, but, but it was, you know, had to do with time shifting and stuff like that. And the guy's name was Adam Curry. Now I am a little bit old to be somebody that was the MTV generation. I used to watch some MTV, but I didn't watch Adam Curry's show. But it, as I found out, Adam Curry was a VJ on MTV. And here he had invented or had a part in inventing this new thing called podcasting. And it was about radio and stuff like that. And because of my earlier radio uh, involvement, it, it sort of piqued my interest. And then the next thing was this. So at that time, my, my boys, Timothy and Stephen, were young and they were in Cub Scouts and I was the pack leader. And um, we were at a, uh, a camping trip at Joshua Tree National Park here in Southern California. And one night, sleeping in the tent, about 2.30 in the morning, God woke me up. And I say God woke me up because at that time, I was the kind of guy that would sleep all night long, would never stir. I was sound asleep. But this morning, 2.30 in the morning, God wakes me up. 
and he began to fill my mind with ideas for a Christian podcast. And he said the very first mass medium was the printing press. And the Gutenberg Bible was the first thing that was done on the printing press. And he said, I want to be a part of this new mass medium, this podcasting. And he uh, filled me with ideas for creating a, a podcast that was not just for Christians, not just for believers, because I had seen that there were two or three maybe other podcasts out there, but all they were were repurposed church sermons. I think Mars Hill was the first one. And uh, I don't remember who else was, was, uh, had, a, had a church sermon podcast, but there were no podcasts that were created just as a podcast. And he said, Steve, I want you to create a podcast that isn't just for, for believers. I want you to create a podcast for people that are, that are curious about me. I want you to make it something that people that don't know me will still be interested in and be entertained by. And I didn't go back to sleep that night. All night long, he was just filling me with ideas. So I went home uh, from the camping trip, and I said uh, to Leanne, I said, you're never going to guess. And then I told her what had happened. And she says, if God wants you to do it, how can I say no? If God wants you to do it, I want you to do it. Well, the problem was, I didn't have any recording equipment. But at the church, where I was doing all the technology, they had everything. So I went to the pastor. His name is Mel Bennett, and you may have heard him on here on LifeSpring Media. He's been uh, doing some podcasts, and uh, he hasn't in a while because his health isn't good. But I went to Pastor Bennett, and I told him about my dream and about podcasting. And he says, well, Steve, if God wants you to do it, I've got to say yes. So I began doing the podcast there in the sound booth at church. And, that, and what you heard, that early thing uh, at the beginning of the show today, uh, was the very first uh, episode, a, a part of the very first episode. Now, here's how I found out that I was really doing what God wanted me to do. Within just a few days of putting that first episode up, I got an email from a guy in Sweden. And uh, he said, Steve, how do I know? How do you know that the Bible is real? How do you know that God is real? And we began an email conversation back and forth. And uh, I haven't heard from him in a long time. And I don't even remember his name. It's been too many years. But uh, the last email he sent to me was, he said, I've joined the church. And so first getting the email from him so early told me that I was in the right place. And then to know that he finally came to know Jesus um, was uh, just uh, icing on the cake. But also during that very first week, I got an email from a woman uh, back east. I forgot. I think she may have been from the Chicago area. Again, I've forgotten. And the emails have been lost, but which breaks my heart. But she said, I don't know how I got your podcast on my iPod. She said, I bought a brand new iPod, took it home, but my sister was visiting from out of town. And so I just put the iPod aside and um, didn't pick it up the whole time my sister was here. She said, I used to go to church. I used to be a believer, but I had stopped going. And she said, my sister talked to me about getting back to church. And she said, I decided that I need to do that. And she said, and when I picked up my iPod, the LifeSpring podcast was on my iPod. She said, I didn't put it there. She said it was in the box. So somebody has said to me, maybe her sister put your podcast on her iPod. Maybe, I don't know, but it was certainly a confirmation to me that I'm doing the right thing by doing this 
new thing called the LifeSpring podcast. So that those are two of the things that happened in the in the beginning that really told me that I was doing the right thing. Now I have to say that um, none of the podcast centric tools that are common today existed back then. I had to figure everything out, and mainly I did that by looking at and listening to what Adam Curry was doing with his podcast, The Daily Source Code. I didn't know anything about RSS, which a lot of you maybe don't even know anymore because RSS is kind of in the background now. It's very important. That's the thing on your computer or in your your, uh, podcast app that says, go out and look and see if there's a new episode of the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible or any of the other podcasts that you listen to. I didn't know anything about blogging. I didn't know about... uh, Uh, how to put a website up. I had never put up a web. Well, that's not true. I did have a website put up for my uh, windshield repair business, but I didn't know anything about doing anything other than just a real basic, you know, business web page. In the beginning, I used Microsoft front page to put up a website. Um, Then I used Dreamweaver. And then eventually I got to using WordPress, which is what you're looking at now when you go to lifespringmedia.com. WordPress is the Uh, most used uh, website building uh, application there is in existence today. But back in those early days, uh, those of us early to podcasting had to get it all figured out on our own. Uh, Again, a lot of people used uh, Adam Curry's RSS feed and everything else to try and, you know, see how to make it work. Um, It wasn't long after I got into podcasting that the New York Times wrote an article about podcasting because podcasting was really made a big splash when it first came on the scene. Um, It was, uh, if I remember right, it was a front page article. I got a call from the New York Times and and they put me in that article. Uh, The hometown paper here in Riverside called the Press Enterprise. Uh, I was front page in the Press Enterprise with a big picture of me sitting in the sound booth there at church. Um, There was a uh, Technologies for Worship magazine. This was a magazine that goes out to churches. And I helped uh, write a series on podcasting for churches, for technologies for worship. Um, There was a book published called Tricks of the Podcasting Masters by Rob Walsh and Mer Lafferty. Uh, I'm in that book. In 2005 and 2006, I think it was, I got an award for the, the best spirituality podcast, Podcast Peers. And not long after I started podcasting, within the first probably two or three months, I think, the very first podcast network was started by a guy by the name of Craig Patchett. He started the Godcast Network, and I got a call from him, and he wanted me to join the network, which I did. There were uh, three, four, five, six shows uh, in the Godcast Network, um, but one of the uh, requirements that Craig had was there could be no advertising on the network. Um, he didn't believe that there should be any commercialization at all in in any God-centered podcasts. And I agreed to that. That's not a problem. Well, in about 2005, you know, the second year of podcasting's existence, uh, Adam Curry started a uh, a network called the Podshow Podcast Network. And he invited me to be a part of that. Part of the pod show promotion was quit your day job as they were trying to recruit uh, podcasters to come into the network. Quit your day job. Well, that sounded pretty good to me. I mean, I didn't uh, hate doing windshield repair, but if I could make my living doing podcasting, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. So I joined that network, which meant I had to leave the Godcast network. But when I was on the pod show network, that's when I learned, no, I don't want to be a part of advertising. There was a sponsor I had on the show that was... Uh, uh, just not good. 
I'll put it that way, in terms of the way they advertised their product. And I, uh, I kicked them off the show. And at the time, I was making really, really, really good money uh, for then by having them on the show. But I, I, <laughs> I said, no more. I can't have this. And I'm sure that didn't make Adam Curry and the rest of those at uh, Pod Show happy, but that was part of the agreement when I signed up was I have, I have the right to refuse sponsors because it's important to me for my audience that I don't have sponsors that are inappropriate. Well, about two or three years, maybe after that, uh, Pod Show folded. It wasn't because of me, but Pod Show went away. And that, that, the LifeSpring Show took a big hit when Pod Show went away. I'll just, put, I'll just say that. Now, during the time I was there, though, I started several other podcasts, and that's really when the LifeSpring Podcast became uh, LifeSpring Media. The other shows were LifeSpring Hymn Stories, uh, LifeSpring's In Touch with God's Character, LifeSpring Family Audio Bible. By the way, this show started on January 10th, 2007. Um, the Weekend Music Show, the LifeSpring Weekend Music Show. Um, I did a show with a fellow named James Cooper, who is in um, England, uh, called the LifeSpring Why Christmas Show. This was a seasonal thing, and we talked about Christmas. And uh, he's got probably the world's most visited Christmas website called whychristmas.com. It's still there. You should you should look at it. I haven't talked to James in a couple of years, but um, we did that for several years in a row. And then Leanne had a show called Your Wedding Your Way. She did um, wedding advice, how to put together a wedding. Stephen, my middle son, did a show called On the Edge for a little while, as did Timothy. He did one called The Weekly Dose. And I did a podcast, <laughs> ironically enough, for my church, putting up their church sermons. That was called Life Spring Sunday. So at one time or another, I've had 11 different shows on LifeSpring Media. I don't know exactly how many episodes I've produced. Uh, right now, there are 2,557 episodes, counting this one to be 58 episodes, but some are lost. Uh, I don't know how many. Probably, I've probably produced close to 3,000 shows. Oh, also, while I was with Pod Show, uh, the show was on Sirius for a while, Sirius Satellite Network. Now, before Apple, I'm, I'm kind of skipping all around because I'm just kind of speaking a little bit off the top of my head here. Before Apple entered the podcast arena, there was a site called Podcast Alley. That was really a, the first, quote unquote, big podcast directory where people would go to find podcasts. And they had ratings on there. And one of the, uh, the fun things was uh, for a time there, LifeSpring was rated ahead of Leo Laporte's first podcast that he had. And uh, I, somewhere I took a screenshot of that, but that's been lost as well over the years. Um, at the first, maybe the second podcast expo, um, Leo Laporte interviewed uh, four of the Godcaster um, podcasters uh, from the Godcast Network, of which I was one. So I was on the radio show that I first heard about podcasting on. So that was really fun. I've got pictures of that interview, as a matter of fact. Now, speaking of interviews, I've interviewed a lot of different people over the years. I interviewed the guy that was the singer uh, at uh, every Billy Graham crusade for many, many, many years, Mr. George Beverly Shea. I interviewed him on the show. I interviewed my own uh, sister-in-law um, in a series called Crossing Over. Ellie is from, um, I think it's, uh, I've forgotten now, is it Ecuador? She's from a South American country, and she... Uh, had a very, very difficult childhood. Her mother sold her into prostitution. And eventually she made her way to America 
where uh, she got involved in, well, I think she was involved in drugs even when she was down there to just kind of help cope with what was going on with her. But uh, she, when she made it to America, uh, she became a, a Christian, and she's one of the most godly, wonderful women that I, that I now know. I interviewed her. That was a three-episode interview, if I remember right. I've interviewed my good friend Brian Duncan a couple of times on the show. I interviewed the, one of the best guitar players in the world, Phil Keggy. I interviewed a guy who specializes in finding kidnapped or abducted kids. His name is Mark Miller. I, I think I interviewed him twice. I interviewed, and this was a thrill for me, Rosie Greer of the Fearsome Foursome L.A. Rams. Went down to his office in uh, Santa Monica, California, and interviewed him. That was a fun time. For those Gaither fans out there, you probably know Mark Lowry. He's a funny guy. He's a great singer. He's the guy that wrote Mary Did You Know. I interviewed him. We've been praying for Kathy Brixey. Um, I interviewed her in April of 06. Even back then, she was having a lot of health problems and had been for many years. That episode is called Faith Personified, and uh, boy, is she that or not. I interviewed Adam Curry on November 15th, 05, just before he signed me up for the Pod Show Network. He was there at the Podcast Expo in Ontario, California, and I interviewed him there. I've interviewed Greg Laurie, and probably one of the most fun is very early on, I uh, the sound quality for this interview is terrible because it had to be outdoors and some lawnmowers were going by. But I interviewed a former mafia boss, a guy by the name of Michael Franzis. You may have heard of him. He uh, does a lot of public speaking. He does a lot of speaking at churches and things like that. But uh, I was uh, the first podcast he was ever on. You might say, well, Steve, what's ahead? And I have to be honest, I'm not sure. God rarely tells me his plans ahead of time. I didn't know that podcasting was going to come along. I had no idea that I was going to have this platform. Some guy, some <laughs> windshield repair person from Riverside, California, sitting in his home talking to the world. It's amazing. I, he didn't tell me that was coming. I didn't have any idea why I was being prepared for it. So I don't know what's ahead. Um, I actually, I have to be honest, thought that last season was going to be the end. The Lord had spoken to me during the beginning of the pandemic that it was time to go back to work. I had been uh, away from podcasting for two, three years. And uh, when the pandemic hit, like I said, the Lord said, Steve, people need to hear the word. Uh, it's time to get back to work. And so I started the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible up again. Um, I didn't start the LifeSpring podcast up again because podcasting is different now. It's harder to get uh, music that is safe to play as far as copyrights are concerned. And music was a big part of that show. And I didn't really feel led to do that again. I, I felt like God was saying, people need the word of God. And so I started the LifeSpring Family Bible up again. And I thought that one season was going to be it. I thought that uh, if anything, I would just play uh, reruns for the season and just do that. Um, I'm at the point in my life where I feel like I would like to have more time uh, to be semi-retired. Um, I am collecting Social Security. I've dialed back the windshield repair business, uh, some of that voluntarily, but much of it not. It never really completely recovered from the, uh, the economic crash in 2007-2008 at that time when that happened. We lost about 80%, 90% of our business because a lot of car dealerships went out, but that's a whole other thing. So like I said, last season I thought was the last, but 
this break between the end of last season, which was in June, and the beginning of this season, season 12, in September 1st, the Lord spoke to me and he said, uh, no, you're not done. It's, you, you need to do fresh episodes. You need to do it again. So I have to tell you, I don't know. I'm here for as long as God wants me to be here. I've mentioned on the show that um, one of the most life-changing Bible studies I ever did is a Bible study called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And the thing that I took away from that is when God asks you to do something, you want to have decided in advance that the answer is going to be yes. And uh, I had studied that Bible study before I um, had that conversation with God that day that he told me to proclaim his name. and. that's how I live my life. Um, what I feel God calling me to do is what I do. I would like it if God would let me take a break and, um, you know, kind of fade away into retirement. But, you know, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think Christians can retire if God doesn't let you. And I'm, I'm fine with that. It's not that I don't enjoy being here because I truly do. Um, but there's a lot of other things that I could also be doing. The show does take a tremendous amount of time, which I'm happy to give in service to God. I'm, I'm not complaining, but I look over, I look in my, um, my garage and there are things in the garage that I would like to be doing, which I don't have time to do now. Um, I would like to be able to spend more time with my wife. You don't know how much time she gives up with me to be able to do this and be with you. Again, please, I'm not complaining, but... This last weekend, when uh, we were with the Ploofs, uh, Ron Ploof from Griddle Cakes Radio and his lovely wife, Tara, when I was telling her the time that it takes, because we got to talking about the show and stuff like that, I was telling her what it takes to do this. And she looked at Leanne and she says, you're a podcasting widow. <laughs> and we all laughed, but it's sort of kind of true. As a matter of fact, she's on her way home now. So I do want to wrap up the show, and I've blabbered on for too long anyway. I told you I was only going to take a few minutes. But I think it's important to get this kind of thing down on the record, I guess. Uh, Maybe someday somebody will listen to this, and they'll say, who was that guy? Well, there you go. That's who this guy was. Um, I love God. The most important thing in my life is uh, serving God. I'm not uh, an exemplary saint by any means. I have many, many failures. Um, I have lapses of faith sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm, I don't exhibit a Christian mood or spirit. You can ask Leanne about that, but I guess we all have that weakness. Um, the apostle Paul said that, which I want to do, I don't do that, that I, and that, which I do not want to do. That's what I do. And we all fight and struggle with this flesh that we are still in. But the most important thing for me is to help you to know God better. I hope to accompany people to the throne of God and for them to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. To me, that's the most important thing in the world. And that's why I'm here. Forgive me if I talk too much. Well, we have no new prayer requests, but let's pray anyway. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for your mercy and your grace every day, but especially today. I don't know why you chose me to be the first Christian podcaster. There were surely people who were more qualified. There were surely people who were more faithful. There were surely more creative people. 
I can think of a million reasons why you should have chosen somebody else, but it was me you chose, and all I can do is thank you, Lord. I didn't deserve it then, and I certainly don't deserve it now. If anyone, Lord, has been encouraged, if they've grown closer to you, if sitting behind this microphone has made a difference in anyone's life, I'm thankful that you let me be a part of it, if only as a voice. I ask, Lord, for as long as you want me to be here, that you would draw those you want, and that you would be lifted up and glorified. The only reason LifeSpring Media exists is for that purpose. I believe, Lord, that time is short. I believe, Lord, that Jesus is coming back soon, and I pray that you would use this podcast to bring people to Jesus before it's too late. And Father, for those listening right now, I pray that you would help them to draw closer to you with every passing day. Give them a greater desire for your presence in their life. Like David said, as a deer longs for streams of water. Bless those listening right now, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, beloved, when you send your prayer requests in, and please do, I'll pray for you in my private prayer time, and I'll pray for you on the show. And all you need to do is go to prayer.lifespringmedia.com and submit your prayer request there. Remember, please, to go to lifespringmedia.com slash survey if you haven't yet. I'm going to close the survey on Sunday. That'll be it. If you want to help with the show art, please go to lifespringmedia.com slash art. You can find out more about how to do it there. And I do need your support. Go to lifespringmedia.com slash support. Every donation counts. Every donation is appreciated. And for this week only, any donation over $50, I'll send you a signed copy of my book, Webb's Easy Bible Names Pronunciation Guide. Until tomorrow, when we begin the 18th year of the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, may God bless you richly. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing this anniversary time with me. I'm Steve Webb. Bye.